You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, I I am really excited to be here this morning. Um, Just just an advisory. Um, We went to Houston for my sister's wedding and one of the coolest things in the world for a, a big brother to get to officiate every one of his siblings' weddings. Like, so cool. Not possible without the call that the Lord has placed on our lives, Sarah and mine, to, to be here and to be pastors and, and to, to minister with this community. That doesn't happen. And just a joy to be the one that gets to, to explain to them on the altar before they say yes and before they enter this covenant what it is and how the Lord will do it for them. If they just say yes to him, if they just walk with him and, and get to introduce identity to these couples, it's, it's just been really, really cool. And I get to preach a message where everybody is actually, they're paying attention. They're listening. They want to hear it. They're excited. They're there for their friends. And I, just, I was just thinking about this as I was standing in line waiting to, to, to walk on stage with Bradley, my brother-in-law, um, just thinking about how many people have never heard what they're about to hear. Not that I'm doing anything, but just because of what the Lord has taught me about marriage and the Spirit of God and, it, and its place in it. And we get to introduce the Spirit. That's what it's about, right? I, every day I get an opportunity to introduce the Spirit of God. And for my siblings to say, yeah, I want you to be the one that does that. What an honor. It's just one of the greatest honors of my life. Um, but with that said, we've traveled long and far in a short amount of time with three children, one of which does not understand the concept of sitting in a car seat for a long period of time. And she, uh, she let us know. She's a trooper. She's a team player for sure. But she communicated often at her displeasure with sitting in the car. And you all know this. You've all done this. Traveling with kids, is, it is a different deal. I just told my parents, like, if you want to see your grandkids, you're just coming to us for a while. We're not, <laughs> you're, we're not traveling. My mom just got a new car, so I really don't even feel bad. Um, they can do it. They can make the trip. They'll have to stop a couple times to stretch their legs, but um, there's no kids crying. Nobody's pooping in the back seat. Brothers aren't punching each other, so they'll be fine, right? Um, but we just had a lot of fun. But again, just now that you know, if I just fall over, and go to sleep, just leave me. Just let me be. I'll wake up in a second and I'll finish. Okay? I'll finish the sermon. Zach, if you guys have to go, just keep recording. I'll finish the sermon after I get my nap out of the way. Um, anyways, with all that said, Children's Church. Sorry, Melissa. Anytime I'm gone, and we left, we left Wednesday, um, we only miss Wednesday night service, but anytime I'm gone, I feel like I've been gone for a month. And it, it's just, uh, it's, it's hard for me to leave this place, and I guess that's a, it's a really good thing. And every time we leave, Sarah and I, and we probably annoy our family with this, but we just, all we do is talk about how much better West Texas is than where they are, and just rub it in their faces, and just brag about it. And uh, we did that a lot this weekend, and so with that said, though, we talked about last week a field of diamonds, and recognizing that field of diamonds. And I just want to start with Romans 8, 
28 again. I just want to speak this over us and remind us of this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Can, can I believe this verse? Just bringing our attention back to what we've talked about over several weeks. Can I believe this verse without childlike faith? Can I believe this verse without childlike faith? There's no way you can believe this verse without childlike faith. What is childlike faith? It's just saying yes to God and taking Him at His word. Period. I don't need an explanation every time. I just have to say yes and take you at your word. And that, that is childlike faith. If I tell my son this is what's going to happen, he says okay because my dad said this is what's going to happen so he has no doubt. In that, that's childlike faith. And so if God is going to work all things for the good of those that love Him and you love Him, you must have childlike faith to believe it. I'll never know I'm standing on a field of diamonds if I don't trust Him to be working for my good. You understand that's the key. Because to, understand, to see the perspective, to see the rock that you just stubbed your toe on as a diamond and not a stumbling place, God has to be the one defining the perspective. But if I don't believe he's working for my good, he, has, he doesn't have my attention anymore. I've taken the perspective into my own hands and I've allowed the world to define what it is that I'm looking at. And the world will say, that's a rock. It's a stumbling place. You've messed up. You've done something wrong. It will define the circumstances and it will say, because of this, this has happened to you. And then what that does for us is it just causes us to begin to turn and look back at this army that seeks to destroy us instead of seeing the miracle that is before us. Do I allow truth like this, that he works all things for the good of those that love him? And do I allow my relationship with him to, to define my perspective? I was talking to my, my mother this week before we went down to Houston for, for my sister's wedding and she just had some stuff um, going on and just trying to make a decision and trying to figure out what it is that the Lord wants her to do and um, we, we know those places, we know those places very well where we, we're waiting on a word from the Lord that has already come, right? Like if there's a stop sign, you don't need somebody also standing on the corner shouting stop because there's a stop sign there. So you just stop at the stop sign, right? We, we know that. But we, we start putting a, a preference on how God would guide us into the next thing when he's shown us uh, what he's doing. And, and she was just talking about this situation and, and really knowing what the Lord would have her do. And just, you know, I'm, I'm one of those that I have to process what the Lord is doing out loud. I need to talk about it, and I often discover what he's trying to tell me as I'm talking about it. And um, she just said, so profound to me, she just said, it just feels like the timing is off. Like this is something I would totally want to do if the timing were different. And have any of you ever felt like you are, you are carrying a, a boulder up a hill to try to make something work? You ever felt that feeling of just trying to force something to happen that just doesn't seem like it's meant to happen, but you're trying to force it to happen. Oftentimes, 99.9% of the time, that's the Lord saying, you should just let go of the rock and keep walking up the hill because I, I don't have this for you right now. I, I understand that doing things and, and operating in obedience to what God has for us can be difficult at times, but never have I found it difficult to just step through the door. 
The door has always been made open for me without any work that I'm doing myself to get it open, right? The Lord will open it. Now, it, it can be nervous. It can be, it, there can be a lot of anxiety and, and stress about trying to figure out if this is the right thing to do. And, and we kind of turn our ear from God and stepping through the door can become harder than it really is. But the Lord always opens that door for us freely when it's time to step through it. So anyways, we were talking about this. We were talking about this. And she said the timing just doesn't feel right. And it reminded me of this lesson that God has been teaching me about carrying this rock up a hill, forcing things to happen that are, he, he has just shown me in my own life that is not how I'm going to, sh- that's not going to be how I open doors for you. It's not going to be how I lead you into the next thing. If you feel like you're carrying something up a hill and forcing it to happen, I don't want it to happen. So let it go. Let the rock go. And I started to think about this conversation, started to think about timing and our perspective on timing. And I was, I was sitting up here, what day did y'all get back in town, Danny? Monday? Monday? So I was sitting at the office on Monday, getting ready for a board meeting, that's what I was doing. I'm very tired, I can't remember what I was doing last week. Um, and I had this thought, and you'll have these thoughts sometimes, at least I do, and if I don't take care of that thought right then and there, I'm going to forget about it until the next time it presents itself, and we were having, I was noticing something about our grass, and something was off with one of the sprinklers, it's like, I'm just going to take care of that right now. Started doing that, started messing around with that, and we have this really cool security system on our doors, so that we don't have a million keys floating around, and we can lock it, and we can open it with just the press of our phone. The issue is, if you don't have a phone or a key, you're in trouble. And I went outside to adjust the sprinklers with my phone and my keys sitting on my desk. And that door that, that I recommended we get <laughs> locked me out. Locked me outside in the middle of the day. It was hot. And I was now wet from the sprinklers and thought, well, I'll just go, I'll just go to my truck and I'll get one of my spare key, one of the key cards that's in there. Uh, and then for the first time... I don't know, I don't lock my truck, and I normally leave my keys inside of it. I didn't do any of that. I locked it up, tied her in Fort Knox, and my keys were inside, phone was inside, and I'm just standing here alone, and I don't know what to do. And I just, I just kind of chuckle, and I'm like, okay, whatever. Well, Rhonda lives close, so I'll, I'll go see if Rhonda's home, see if I can steal her key from her, and I'll walk back to the church and get myself inside. So I start walking. I run into uh, Janie Perez, who used to be the... Uh, secretary at the school uh, for the junior high and just talked with her for a few minutes and then uh, and she laughed at me and the story that I presented to her as to why I was walking in the middle of the day and as I as I'm talking to her I see two people that I know have a key Danny and Amy Green come flying by on the road and it's just like oh shoot missed my opportunity there they're gone um, anyways I'll keep going to Rhonda's get make it to Rhonda guess who's not home Rhonda, she's not home. No one's home. Uh, so I thought, well, okay. I know Danny and Amy are home, so I'll walk to their house. I get to their house, knock on the door a couple times. Like, I know they're here. Like, I saw them drive through town with this big RV. And it's like, Parker, you notice anything missing at their house? The big RV. And I look over, and I can see the big RV at Danny's shop. I'm like, well, I'll go walk over to Danny's shop. So I've, cl- I've made it from one end of town to the other. 
I get over there, Danny laughs at me, Amy, they all laugh, that's what they do, we're friends. We laugh at each other when we're sweaty and inconvenienced, and um, I hop in the truck, and, and they give me a ride back to the church and get me inside, and the Lord used this, the Lord used this to teach me a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, and I didn't expect it, and that's normally how the Lord does it, but he used it to, to teach me a lesson that I never thought of, and I'm excited to share with you this morning. The first thing he, he taught me was to protect my joy. When I turned and I went to open that door, I'll tell you honestly what would have been my initial reaction would be to get upset, angry, so much so that I'll just rip the door down because this is annoying. And then what would happen when I realized that my truck's locked and I've got to go walking around town, I would just get more and more angry. And I would just start walking in, in anger and spite and kicking rocks and stomping my feet the whole way like a toddler. But I would be angry the whole time. And what would have happened is Danny and Amy would have driven by and I would have become more angry because you missed it. Your timing's off. If you had just left sooner, if this had just happened sooner, or if you had not stopped to talk to your friend, you would have, you would, they would have seen you on the side of the road. You would have had a ride immediately. But nope, they didn't see you because you stopped to socialize. And I would have just grown more and more and more angry. And what the Lord taught me was that joy is the key to perspective. It is absolutely, it, it holds and it guards the doorway on your perspective. And if something steals your joy, it is very hard for the Lord to reclaim your perspective. Do you hear what I'm saying? But because I'm married to this wonderful woman and she can tell you story after story about how this used to drive me insane... I mean, furious anger. Uh, she would, in situations like that, my wife's default is to just to start laughing. Because it's funny. You guys laugh. It's a funny situation. But for me, I, would, I didn't like that. Stop laughing. This is not funny. This is life or death. Right? This is the biggest situation I've ever faced up to this moment. But because I've lived with her and she's worked on me and the Lord's worked on me through her, I get locked out and I just immediately begin to, to laugh. It just, it's funny. Parker, you dope. You left everything inside. You were so one-track minded. And I know a lot of you in here that are like that, that you forgot all the other details that are necessary for you to continue on with life. Yeah, there's a group. There's a group over here. <laughs> but we must stop allowing circumstances to steal our joy. Once you have given up, again, joy, it is very hard for the Lord to reclaim your your perspective. And the beautiful thing is that is a mystery. It was so fun to run into my friend Janie. We used to do so much together in that school. She was, she was, a, she was a guard for me in my heart. When I was, one, when I first got here, she was one of the first allies I had in that school because she knew I loved the kids. She knew I didn't know a lot about what I needed to do or figuring out this position, but she was always sure to let me know she was standing in my corner, whatever I needed. And we were allies through a lot of stuff. She was, in a lot of ways, and a lot of times, the only person I could be honest with about the frustrations of the things I was facing and dealing with with the kids because she just felt like a lot of times she was the only one that understood it and some of the ridiculousness of the things that we were looking at. And she retired a couple years ago, and I just I got to run into her and talk to her. 
And I'm telling you, that conversation could have been very different had I approached it in anger because of the inconvenience of the situation. But because of the Lord, and this is the Lord, He had a lesson to teach me, and He protected my joy for me. And because the Lord had a lesson to teach me, what came out of that conversation was joy. And we just laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. And then we laughed as Danny and Amy drove by. She's like, well, she shouldn't have stopped to talk. I was like, I did, I know. But I'm really happy that I did. I got to talk to my friend and just share a laugh because that moment, that moment won't ever exist again. And I got to spend that time with a friend. A lot of people don't get that, right? We don't get difficult moments and we don't get to share those with friends. A lot of times we've got to share them on our own. We don't get to laugh with a friend at, at the difficulty of a situation. And it was a mystery and it, you could tell it was a mystery to her because my response was just, we're just happy. It's okay. We're joyful. We're not happy. We're joyful, right? And this was the Lord's doing. We are to be mysterious as the children of God because our response is not based on reaction, but vision and anointing. Our response is not meant to be a reaction. But if we allow the world to steal our... If, and the world can't steal your joy. Let me just start by saying that we give up our joy. Because who can come against God's elect? There is no one. So they, can they take anything from you? No. But we can give everything to them. We can, al- we can allow the enemy into the camp and we can give him our joy. And so in that moment, there was, there was friendship, there was, there was fellowship because there was no reaction. There was just response and obedience. And the second thing that he was teaching me in this is just asking me this question, does he work all things for the good of those that love him or not? Then we must stop looking at how the timing of things aren't working out, right? We focus so much on how things are not working out in the way we ordered and the way we thought and the timing of the things that we thought. We wanted it to happen on this timeline and it hasn't and then we become disappointed. But instead, look at how perfectly it has worked out. And now that doesn't mean that circumstances are easy and that these, these things are not God's doing, but he works all things. God did not lock me out of the church. He knew I had work to do. That was not his plan. Like, oh man, four o'clock, Parker. Suck it, you're gonna get locked out. This is gonna be hilarious. Like, he's not a bully. He's not a big brother picking on me from heaven. But he immediately began to work things for my good, this, this conversation with a friend that I had not had a conversation with in over a year. Someone that I did daily life with. The Lord reconnected us and we got to talk about things and talk about things that are difficult for her and things that she's dealing with. But instead of there being turmoil and strife, there was joy in the conversation amidst the difficulty, difficult things that we're both having to handle in our positions. And then I just got to walk through this city. I believe it is so important for a pastor, and this is one of the reasons I love ministering in a small town, because I don't have to walk as far. I couldn't imagine being a pastor in Houston. That's a long walk. But I believe it's important to walk through your city and to pray over it, to be a part of it, to be an active minister in it and pray over the ground and speak vision into life, not just speak it from this one little patch on the floor on this stage but to speak it and pray, pray over this community. And I got to do that. I got to walk by people and see their confused faces as I just smile. And they're like, why is Parker walking? 
along the street like a homeless man. A well-dressed homeless man. But nevertheless. I got to, I got to, I got to see my friends who had been gone for a couple days. I got to see them. I got to get a ride from Amy, and she got to share testimony of, of where they had just been. And they've been on this, this very God-given and driven purpose to just make sure these certain people knew the Lord before their time had ended. And there was testimony of that, that, actually, that was it. That happened. They knew Jesus before uh, one of her family members went, went to heaven. and So she got, she got to just share the testimony of how God was faithful to the call that He had on her and on them. And that was so beautiful, and it just allowed for fresh perspective. And it worked out perfectly. Because He worked a simple mistake into wondrous and amazing things and wonderful things. He brought me revelation on this walk. Where do you think this lesson of timing came from? It came right there as I was talking to Janie. And we were finishing our conversation. I saw Danny and Amy walk by and I thought, man, if I had just been up there a couple seconds before. But then he, but he began to speak to me, but you're right where you need to be now. Don't look at how the timing is not working out. Look at how it's working out perfectly. How I'm working it for your good. Because you were where you needed to be right then and there. He brought me this revelation. We must allow the Lord to show us how He is using us perfectly where we are. We may not have arrived there by any plan of our own, and it may be a, a lot of mistakes or a lot of difficult things that have brought us to these places. But we've got to remember that He's working these things for our good. James 4.14, Yet you do not know, that's not, yeah, that's it, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Does the Lord not know that our life is but a mist, but a vapor in time in comparison to eternity? Do you think God knows that? Do you think He understands that? Then do you think He has any desire to waste your time here? Why do we so quickly check into this camp into this belief that that? That God's not working on my behalf. That God has slowed down. He's not using me right now. No, God can't afford. Or He can. I mean, he, God is God. He doesn't need us. But he, he has placed you here with purpose. And so why would He waste you? When from the dawn of time, from the beginning of time, you existed in His, in his heart for the time that you're in. Why would He waste your life? Do we know our God to be a wasteful God? No. He's the one that spoke this, that we would understand that it is, it is his desire to make the best use of our days because they are full of evil. And he has every desire for you to be the key to combating this evil and establishing his kingdom in this time and in this place that you exist. He has no desire to waste any breath that fills your lungs. No desire at all. So he works all things for good. It was amazing to me when he, when he told me this, I don't waste time. Because immediately the second the door was locked and I was stuck outside, there was good worked on my behalf. He's like, well, Parker's going to go here, 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 and here, and now he's going to talk to this person, and this is going to have this meeting, there's going to be this revelation. Um, immediately there was good worked on my behalf. Don't be a backslider always looking at what he didn't do. 
If everything worked out, so powerful, just a, a sermon I listened to um, Thursday morning, just heard this, this statement that this pastor made, if everything worked out the way we want it, wanted it to all the time, what point would there be in rejoicing? What is rejoicing? It is to cause joy. It is to cause joy. It's easy to rejoice in the easy things. But rejoicing is also meant for the difficult days. To cause joy. Why Why rejoice? Psalm 23 verse 4. We know this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There are measures of his presence. There are measures of God's presence that can only be found in the valley of the shadow of death. Do you hear what I'm saying? There are measures of God's presence that can only be encountered in those places. It is necessary for us to go to those places. We will go to those places. In times of uncertainty, of doing everything you're supposed to do, and then it's still not working out the way you hoped. Choosing to rejoice, to pray, to worship, you will find His presence there in a way that you couldn't find it anywhere else. There's a measure of his presence waiting for us in the valley. He's there. He doesn't just go with us. He goes before us and he waits for us to arrive. There's measures of his presence in these places. And in these moments, we have an opportunity to become more childlike. To take him at his word. The simplicity of faith that just trusts him no matter what. That he's working for my good. We... We will all go to heaven. I'm praying all in this room are are saved and we will go to heaven and we will worship God for eternity. There will be no pain. There will be no heartbreak. There will be no difficulty. There will be no loss. There will be no confusion. There will be no turmoil, anxiety, depression. We will worship God in perfection. But only on this side of heaven, hear this, only on this side of heaven can I bring an offering of praise while hurting, confused, frustrated, going through difficulties. Only on this side of heaven can I choose to praise God when the circumstances would say do otherwise. Only on this side of heaven can I offer Him that. Moments come and go, but we will never get a chance to steward these moments again. So I would challenge you to do the best that you can to offer Him all that you are, and bring Him an offering that costs you something. It's easy to choose. The world's definition of circumstances, it's easy to give up our joy. It's really easy. It's our default. It's easy to do those things. And how many of us know how difficult it is to praise God when everything in you is like, no. We've all been there. We've all said those things. We've all had those moments. I have those moments. I have to combat all the time because I see things and I talk to people and I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. I I battle frustration all the time. I want the community of Sundown, Texas to know the Lord and know who He has for them. And I'm so tired of people pointing their fingers about how Sundown's not doing this right. Oh, there's no faith in Sundown. People aren't walking with the Lord in Sundown. Where are you? It drives me nuts. How many people put down Sundown, Texas and then invest in another city and then come back to just point fingers? Oh my gosh, I battle it all the time. Can you tell? Drives me nuts. 
that nobody takes ownership that if this city's ever going to be anything but what it is right now, the people who dwell in it must take ownership of that. Right? I drove through this town. I, I mean, if you, if you blink, you'll miss it. Wilson, Texas on 211, right? But I drove through there. Know the impression I got of this little two-second town? The people who live here care about this city. I could have... I, yards looked nice. Everything was picked up. People, there were nice houses. People invested in this, and this was home, and they were going to take care of it because it was theirs. And that drives me nuts when I see these places like Sundown and, and other communities that the people just don't care. Because the Lord has so much for them, it ba- I battle with it often. I battle with it all the time. And so there are moments where I'm just frustrated, and I'm frustrated with God because I don't think He's moving fast enough. I don't think He's doing enough. He's not showing me enough. He's not speaking enough. I start saying all these things, and my perspective starts getting off. And there come moments where I just don't want to offer Him praise. And in that moment, I make that choice, and it's almost like this, ugh, when I go against what my soul wants to do. And to go against what what is convenient and offer Him praise in these moments, and to go against what my heart wants to offer Him praise in those moments, and to trust in every moment with rejoicing, causing joy that He is for me and not against me. Sometimes I have to remind myself of that, and I have to say it a thousand times until I believe it. He is for me. He is not against me. He is for me. He is not against me. I look at perspectives and all of a sudden this perspective, the world's like, well, he's obviously changed camps and he's against you now. It's like, no, that's not who God is. He's for me, not against me. He's for me, not against me. He's for me, not against me. And I have to trust. I have to trust him and his timing and the fact that he is working for my good. And I have to allow him to define the perspective of time. As I look, will I see before me the things that aren't working out the way I wish they would have worked out? Or will I see how they're working out? Just how God would love for them to work out because he has turned this situation that was difficult into a beautiful and wonderful thing. Would I have left that office? Had there not been, and I know this is a silly example, and people are dealing with a lot more difficult things, but the Lord needed me to be able to articulate this. I wouldn't have left that office had we not had some grass that I thought was dying. I would not have started messing with that, and I would have never been locked out. And I would have never run into my friend. I would have never had a conversation with Danny and Amy. I don't know when I would have heard the testimony of, of someone going to heaven that we weren't. We didn't know where they were going. And we get to rejoice because now we know there's another life, there's another person, a presence in heaven that believed on Jesus. Would have never known that. Would have never gotten the opportunity to just walk through our city and pray for it. That what the Lord has spoken here would exist out there and not just in this room. The Lord works all things for good. Don't focus on how the timing is off. Recognize how the timing is perfect. And God is working for your good. He will not waste a single second of your life. He has every intention of using you into the fullness of how He has desired to use you since the beginning of time. He has every intention of using you in that way. So He will not let any moment go to waste. He will not let any situation go to waste But we have to trust 
His timing. We have to return to Him with childlike faith. Just saying, yes, taking Him at His word. We must protect our joy. There are still difficult days ahead. These things are not just going to be, be over with. There are difficult days before us. There's, there's not just one day where a demolition happens. I hate that part about demo. You destroy things and it, you just create a mess. But in order for there to be a new structure, there has to be a mess first, right? That's the only way it works. For the Lord to build something new, there has to be a mess. There has to be a mess first. It's not a mess to God. It's just removing things that need to be removed so he can put new things in their place. And the Lord is doing that in our city. But it can look like a mess. And it looks like things aren't working out for sundown. It looks like it's headed in one direction, in one direction only. And if we allow the world to define the circumstance and we allow the timing of what the world says is happening to be what our default, we will only ever see turmoil. We will only ever see loss. We will never see anything good being done for this city. But if we allow the Lord to define our perspective, trusting Him that He's going to work all things for our good, having taking that and having joy and then moving forward, we will see how the timing of everything is perfect. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Couldn't be any better. The timing of everything is perfect. It's not always on our time, but the Lord is working it for our good. And we just need to trust that with childlike faith. It says, I don't have understanding. I heard this praying. Uh, when, when we pray and we need peace, right? We cast all our anxieties upon him through supplication and prayer. And we will receive a peace that surpasses understanding, right? We've talked about this. But to have that peace, you've got to give up a little bit of your understanding. It's not just for everybody else to look at you with peace and not understand how you have peace you're not going to understand how you have peace as well. In fullness, it's just childlike faith. If I do this through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make my request known to God, the peace that surpasses all understanding, mine included, will be mine to claim. And it will be over me, and it will be in me, and it will overflow out of me. But childlike faith, I've just been so blown away by this um, how necessary it is for us to really recognize that we are not these sophisticated theologians. Right? What did Jay talk about last week in his, in his sermon? That we, don't, we talk about Peter sinking, but we, what we don't talk about is how 11 theologians stayed in the boat and took notes as Peter walked on water. I want to be the one that gets out of the boat. I don't want to be the one that records the miracles happening before me that are not mine. Let's get out of the boat. But to get out of the boat, it takes childlike faith. If Peter started logically thinking about, oh, okay, how do I do this? As in his adult, in his maturity and wisdom, he would have failed. But because his Savior said, come to me, and he responded with, okay, and got out of the boat and went to him, he walked with Jesus on the water, in the midst of a storm. Childlike faith. It is impossible to receive the kingdom of heaven without childlike faith. Amen? 
So I pray that your childlike faith would be what defines your perspective, would be what defines the timing of what the Lord is doing, that you would see clearly that he is working all things for your good, and you would allow him to show you how he is working those things. Even if it requires an hour of sweaty inconvenience for a 15-minute conversation, it's what the Lord would have for you, and it is for your good, and it is for their good, and will you receive it and walk with it? Will you say yes to it? Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.